Last week, I gave you this slide up behind me, a way to measure your failure or success at the end of 2019 for whatever goals you set. We also had this other slide up that talked about a new year for Jesus. Spiritual growth is what we talked about last week. Today, physical fitness. And next week is financial stability. When it comes to talking about physical fitness, it's one of those subjects that people don't really like to hear about, especially in the church setting. But I want to give you this, and this might be unexpected to you, coming from someone who spent probably about 30 years going to the gym about five days a week, except for the last two years. I say to you, when it comes to weight loss, physical exercise should not be the primary focus. And I'll give you more on that as we move along. But I want to show you a passage in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So obviously, it's more important to focus on spiritual things. As we talked about last week, But I want to underline this. You can see behind me, the Scripture does say bodily training is of some value. And I will get to that, but I want to talk about uh, other things first. In the lobby, there is a sign-up sheet if you're interested. There are those of us who know or think we need to lose weight. And if that's you, there's a sign-up sheet in the lobby And my name is on it, as well as a couple of other names right now. We're going to include PCA in this, so parents and staff of PCA might be involved. So that in a six-month period from January 1st all the way to the end of June, we will see how much weight we as a group can lose together. So it's in the lobby if you want to sign up. I'll warn you in advance, having somebody like me on that chart could hurt the group. I'm just saying... That's the way it works. I must give you this caveat because you're supposed to, and it protects me legally. No one should start a new diet or exercise program without first consulting with his or her doctor. Now that that's out of the way, here's a question. Are there different body types? That question has been asked and answered for a long time. In fact, it was in 380 B.C. that Plato wrote in the Republic about different Body types. That's a, that's a long, long time ago. Frederick Nietzsche, I don't know if you remember him, but he's that philosopher that was opposed to God, Jesus, the Bible, Christianity. He was definitely not a good philosopher at all. He's the one that uh, <clears throat> spray-painted in his backyard, uh, God is uh, dead, signed Nietzsche. And then when he died, somebody went in his backyard with graffiti and marked it out that and said, Nietzsche is dead, signed God. <laughs> but he wrote a book called The Antichrist, and he wrote it in 1888, but it wasn't published till a few years later. And in it, he talked about different body types. But it wasn't until the 1940s where Dr. William Sheldon, <clears throat> who was a psychiatrist, which means he had his medical doctor's degree as well, came up with a thing called Somatypes, and these somatypes have been, they're still in use today. A lot of what he did has been disregarded. For instance, 
looking at someone's body and determining what type of body type they are just by looking at them is not always accepted. And also, all of the temperament analysis that goes with a body type has pretty much been discarded. But still the idea that there are three major body types is a thing, and it's used by very credible sources today. Here they are. <clears throat> First of all, there's the ectomorph. Have you heard of these terms? Yeah. Um, then there's the endomorph and the mesomorph. The ectomorph is described as being lean and long with difficult, difficulty building muscle. And you can see in the images behind me, male and female, what an ectomorph might look like. And then there's the endomorph is, is big, high body fat, often pear-shaped, with a high tendency to store body fat. And you can see in a very gracious set of images of a male and female, it doesn't really represent very well, but that's an idea. And then a mesomorph is one who is muscular and well-built with a high metabolism and responsive muscle cells. And you can see the images of what they, the artist perceives to be a fit person. <clears throat> I want to give you a physical illustration of metabolism because people like to argue that there are different metabolisms. So you can't just lump us all in together. There's different, different metabolisms. Yes, there are. Here's the way it looks. If you know how as, as, an, as a child, you could ride a bicycle into a tree and then get up and after you've crashed it, get up and ride some more. Then as an adult, you can sneeze and throw your back out. You know how that works? So if a child or, or if an adult asks me, would you pick that pencil up I dropped over there? I might say, okay, and I'll go over, and I will reach down. I will bend carefully, not using my back, pick it up, and walk back and say, here you go. And if a child is asked, <clears throat> will you go pick that pencil up? A child might do it like this. What? Yeah. <laughs> You notice the difference in metabolism, energy burned? That's, that's metabolism. And now I need to sit down and take a break. And hope I didn't throw my back out. This is metabolism. Yes, we have different metabolism. What metabolism means is how you burn energy. Some people, there was a guy in our lobby. He uh, was here for years. He moved away. But... <clears throat> His wife was talking about how he eats so much, but he stays so skinny. And I said, well, he, he spends a lot of energy with just his normal tasks. And he goes, what are you talking about? I don't understand. Everybody else could understand. He spent his energy just talking, more energy than the rest of us, so he can eat more. That's metabolism. <clears throat> That's the way it works. As we get older, sometimes we allow ourselves to get more and more lethargic. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. <laughs> May not be the best analogy, but what happens is when I talk about physical fitness, even lightly, I have in the past been criticized, and it's usually skinny people. I've been criticized because when I say something like, I know I need to lose weight, People like to say, well, you don't look like you need to lose weight. You make the rest of us feel like you're picking on us, that kind of thing. 
<clears throat> Maybe I suck my stomach in well when I'm standing before you, but I know I need to lose weight. I want to give you a, a clear understanding of how God sees things. Because I don't think it's my business to judge you and your business to judge me. But it's also, it stares at us in the face when we look in the mirror what we need. I mean, if you look at yourself in the mirror and you think, oh my goodness, I've lost weight. Uh, or, oh my goodness, I've gained weight. It's obvious. There it is. God sees things very clearly himself. Look in, you don't have to look there, but I would encourage you, look in Judges and read all of Judges. You know, we give the Bible a hard time when we talk about the begats. You know, it's very hard to understand all the begats, you know. But there's, there's places in the Bible that, that's just chock full of movie-making material. Judges is one of the best places you'll find these types of stories. Judges chapter 3, verses 12 to 20 is a story. I'll give it to you in a nutshell. You should read it. I'm going to leave out details that are actually very, very colorful. I'm going to leave out some of those. <clears throat> Israel did what Israel did. They turned their back on God. That's part of their history. And because of that, God allowed someone to rise up, an enemy, Eglon, to gather some of his allies and attack Israel and conquer them and own them. So he lorded over Israel his authority for 18 years. The people were oppressed by Eglon. And the people of God, you know, whined back to God, we're so wrong, we're wrong, sorry, you're teaching us. We you know how that's the way it works in our lives. We, we distance from God, and God rattles our world and gets us back to him. So that's what he did with Israel. So they're praying to him, and God raises up a left-handed deliverer. That's important to note. And... This left-handed deliverer goes to pay tribute to Eglon. The left-handed deliverer's name is Ehud. And Ehud goes to pay tribute. He goes with a gift from the people of Israel to Eglon, the ruler over them. And as he goes to pay tribute, before he gets there, he fashions a sword that has an 18-inch blade, which means it more than likely has a two-handed grip on the handle, so it's a big handle probably another foot. <clears throat> so you're probably talking 30 inches in full length. And he hides it underneath his clothing on the side of his leg. He goes to give the tribute to the king, King Eglon, and he says to him, I have a secret. So Eglon's like, oh. So he sends his staff out. Behind closed doors, Eglon is greeted by Ehud. And the typical greeting today is a handshake. You take your right hand, your fighting hand, and you shake because you're saying, I come in peace. That's what the shaking of a hand is about. I come in peace. I, I am not going to fight. This is my fighting hand. You give me your fighting hand, we're in peace. Well, they had a similar greeting like that then. The problem is... As Ehud goes to greet with his right hand, and Eglon responds with his right hand, Ehud has his real fighting hand, because he's left-handed, free. So he's gone in close to Eglon. He takes his sword, which is probably 30 inches in full length, and he plunges it into Eglon's stomach. Now, the Bible says this about Eglon. Now, Eglon was a very fat man. 
See, God doesn't pull any punches. <laughs> he was a very fat man. He wasn't just a fat man, which in, in today's world, we live in a world where you don't say things like that. That hurts people's feelings. But he wasn't just a fat man. He was a very fat man. So fat that when Eglon, when Ehud plunged his sword into his stomach, it says that his fat ate the handle. He plunged it in to the handle, and the fat rolled in around the handle. And it gives the indication that Ehud looked at it and goes, Ooh, I'm not touching that. And he left it. Didn't try to dig it out. And he left Eglon there dead with his custom-made sword stuck in him. That's the story. It's got some more colorful stuff you can look up. But <clears throat> notice, God sees things for how they are, and he's not going to pull any punches. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. Some of you know that Stephanie and I went on a cruise. There's the cruise ship behind us. My pre-cruise weight <laughs> was 209 pounds. Then I went on the cruise, and I ate. See these pluses turn up here? And I ate, and I ate, and I didn't get on the scales. I was afraid. Because if you go on a cruise, you just, there's a lot of food, and you can just keep eating and eating and eating. And I didn't know if the scales could handle it. Actually, I didn't know if I could handle seeing what was on the scales. So I didn't get on the scales. But I got to tell you, my, uh, look at this next line here. Today, nine days after the cruise, I weigh 200 pounds. That's with the scales, the same scales that weighed me at 209 before the cruise at the gym. Now, I did go to the gym twice this week, but that, that doesn't make you lose nine pounds. How do you lose nine pounds in nine days? Well, I can tell you, one of the motivating factors was I had this message coming up that I was going to have to stand before you and preach about physical fitness. So I, thought, I need to do something. I haven't been to the gym in two years. Well, going to the gym two days isn't going to take nine pounds off. So how did this happen? I'll give you a clue. I have these things in my pocket, and you can see they're, there's, they're up there behind. And I, I've got today, right now, I'm at 300 calories and 25 grams of protein and 5 grams of fiber and two bottles of water. That's where I am today so far. So my daily goals, I will tell you I failed, but I'll show you the goals. Here's 1,500 calories, plus or minus 500. And if you want to know why there's a plus or minus 500, is because when you're watching your calories, you really should fluctuate on purpose. And the reason why is you're shocking your body so that it constantly is having to figure out what you're doing. And it keeps it shocked and you don't plateau. So here's 100 grams of protein. If you don't, and 15 grams of fiber, and you can see the last one is the water, 100 ounces of water. Let me tell you how this works. Uh, typically, and it's got plus or minus 50 grams on the protein, 25% of your body weight in grams of protein is what you go for. If you weigh 200 pounds, 50 grams of protein is what the FDA recommends. That's if you don't do any exercise. If you exercise, you want to multiply that by two or four. So you could actually be doing 100% of your body weight in protein if you're lifting weights hard. But don't do that. If you're not lifting weights hard, that's bad for you to have too much protein. 15 grams of fiber, uh, 
plus or minus five grams. The way it works in fiber, the way you do the numbers, um, I'll give this to you specifically later. I forgot I have a slide on that. But 100 ounces of water, how, that's six water bottles. That's what that WB stands for. How do you figure that? Here's how to know how much water you're supposed to have to be healthy. Your body weight in half in ounces. So if, if you weigh 200 pounds, you should have 100 ounces of water. But that's... <coughs> I should have had some more water. That is, that is the bottom side. So it should be 100 to 200 ounces of water is what I should be having. So up to your body weight. Half your body weight to your body weight. <clears throat> where, I, where did I fail? I got everything pretty good except for the water bottles. <coughs> one day, I had six water bottles, only one. <clears throat> and I can tell you, even on the days when I didn't get all the way to six, I still felt like I was constantly trying to find a bathroom. It's hard to drink a lot of water. It is for me. <clears throat> but still, doing the things that I did, still managed to lose, this is seven days up here, but in nine days, I lost nine pounds. <clears throat> okay. So, I want to explain to you uh, some things, but I want to go back to this. When it comes to weight loss, physical exercise should not be the primary focus, coming from a guy who has spent much of his life in the gym. What is the primary focus? I'll tell you. Calories. <clears throat> There's all kinds of diets out there. There's all kinds of trendy diets out there. But when it comes down to it, it always comes down to calories. And I want to give you some facts about that or some things that you need to do. Determine your weight goals first. Then find out about how many calories you are consuming daily. And then determine the calorie deficit you need to achieve said goals. It is a mathematical equation. Now, I talked about my brother, Mark, who's in the room. In the first service, I'm going to do it again second service. <clears throat> He was in the army, and they tried to get him to gain weight. I just heard him say this recently. But I was telling somebody else about how calories work, and it's a mathematical equation. And he chimed in and reminded me that he's living proof that it works. While my mother was dying in Shreveport three years ago, a little more than three years ago, and I was down there for about a month, my brother went to the gym with me and followed the plan of the calories and watching protein and all that stuff and he was repeating he was telling someone that this actually does work because the army couldn't get weight on him muscle on him but this did and this is actually the way it works so I want to you can talk to him more about that did I give that accurately did I say okay you can talk to him more about it uh, you want to probe him about more personal things he can tell you about me <clears throat> might be fun Here's some important health facts. You, you're going to want to write some of these down because this is extremely helpful. There's a lady that left here today. I think she's over 90 years old who has some new goals as a result of today. So if she can do it, so can I. So the first thing, it is much easier to lose weight by creating calorie deficits in consumption rather than exercise. 
Let me explain, I got it in parentheses so you can write it down. A 150 pound person burns 200 calories in 30 minutes of a low impact aerobic workout. Or with a high impact aerobic workout in the same period of time, 250 calories. Now think about this, a 16 ounce caramel macchiato is 250 calories versus an Americano with Splenda that has zero calories. That's at Starbucks. So you can see you have to do high impact aerobic. That person would have to do a high impact aerobic exercise for 30 minutes or they could simply just change their coffee. Which one's easier? Isn't it obvious? <clears throat> you, you need to know this. 3,500 calories equals a pound. Look it up. Any source will tell you that. The body often needs more than the FDA says. And I don't have time to get into the details, all of the details. I don't know all of the details for one thing, but I'll give you a couple that are important. The FDA recommends for a 2,000 calorie diet 60 milligrams of vitamin C. I didn't write vitamin C up here, but that's what that is. <clears throat> and that is, the reason why they came up with that number, that's for scurvy prevention. Now, if you talk to people who are concerned with vascular health, they will tell you, you need around 1,500 milligrams per day. Now, there's a big difference, 60 versus 1,500. And 1,500 is the minimum you need for vascular health. That includes cardiovascular. The people that have actually tried this, that have, here's, people that, have, that are stuck with bad cholesterol, whether their LDL is too high, the HDL is, is too low, um, or whatever their problem is in getting their cholesterol levels right, there are people that, that finally get to the, the end and the doctor will finally say, okay, let's try some alternative medicine here. Let's up your intake of vitamin C. And what they've discovered is that people who do this level out oftentimes their cholesterol levels. <clears throat> it, it, it actually stabilizes your vascular system. It helps in oxygen uptake and, and actually volume. Uh, vitamin C is one of those things we don't get enough of as a general rule. Another one is vitamin D. It is recommended that we get 400 uh, in international units of vitamin D. However, mental health professionals <clears throat> increasingly are prescribing and recommending 5,000 international units a day or more for mental health. Vitamin D is one of those things. Let me explain how this works. <clears throat> and you should take vitamin D3, by the way. Vitamin D3 is already converted, so your body can absorb it. If you take just some other form of vitamin D, then your body's not, it has to do things to prepare itself to consume it, uh, to utilize it. What, what is going on with vitamin D? Here's, here's, the mental health professionals believe that vitamin D is the most important nutrient, for the most part, that you can put into your bottle, that you can supplement. In fact, uh, around here, and I belong to multiple 
psychology and counseling organizations. And you have, to, you have to go through credentialing to get there. And I can tell you, I keep getting a lot of information on having people get 5,000 international units of vitamin D3 or more per day. <clears throat> In the Pacific Northwest, Studies have shown consistently that even when you lump in the people who take vitamin D and vitamin D3 with the whole group that's studied, they find that 85% of them still are vitamin D deficient in the Pacific Northwest. Do you know why? Because the sun doesn't sit at the proper level to do what the body needs to do, as the sun hits the skin, it takes cholesterol and converts it to vitamin D. That's how it's produced in the body. But the sun doesn't sit at the right level in the Pacific Northwest. So we have 85% of us, including those who supplement vitamin D and vitamin D3, are still vitamin D deficient. And if it's true that vitamin D is the most important nutrient to supplement for mental health, and in the Pacific Northwest, 85% of us are deficient, then we would have an epidemic around here of mental health problems. Do we? <clears throat> so you might want to do your own research to find out other things. And I, I didn't even put this on here. I need to tell you about this. Uh, somebody asked me at the door, so I thought I need to include it. Um, if you don't know this, do you know how, I'll ask the question, don't answer, because I'll give you the answer. How many, how much water does it take to drink to nullify soda, cola, pop, whatever you choose to call it? Carbonated beverages. <clears throat> An average carbonated beverage, how much water does it take to get that out of your, to balance that. And here's, I don't know if you understand pH, but the, that's the body's ability to um, absorb um, uh, hydrogen ions. And it, the range is from zero to 14 is pH. The body needs to be just over seven. That's more alkaline than acidic. <clears throat> so that we don't get too complicated, I wanna explain this quickly. Typical, cola product, Pepsi or Coke, would you use either one, have about a, a pH of about 2.5. That's very bad. If you, if you need to be just over 7, more alkaline than acidic, then being down at 2.5 is almost like death. You, you're, you don't ever want your body being down that far. There's, there's several things that are, that are um, on that side of the high acidic that's very bad, that if you keep consuming these things, death awaits you. White breads, that's a high one. Coffee, uh, soda, <clears throat> um, there's, there's several, I can't think of all of them. You can look it up. But there are good things on the alkaline side. Quinoa is one of the best things you can have. Asparagus is good. Uh, even almonds have a, a good alkaline base. But how, so if you take a cola, and you drink a little bit. Let's say you just, I'm just going to have a coffee cup size because I'm craving it. Um, so you have a little bit of cola. And when you drink it, one cup, let's say it's one coffee cup. How much water do you have to have to get your pH where it needs to be? Water has different pH levels too. It ranges from 7 to 10. Assuming that the water you're drinking has the perfect pH for water, it's all the way to 10. It would take 32 times the amount of cola you drink. 
in water. So if you want to drink a small cup of soda, you got to drink 32 times that of water to get your pH back where it needs to be, based on what damage that's done to your body. Look it up. You can, there, there's a whole lot of that out there, but you can understand water does help balance pH, but not when you put that much acid in your body. That's very dangerous. Acid is a magnet for cancers and all kinds of other sickness. Don't want to do that. <clears throat> I didn't create a slide for it. Um, the last thing here, all carbs are not equal. I was recently criticized by someone for using stevia to sweeten my coffee. <laughs> I just told you I put acid in my body. Anyway, <clears throat> I asked where this person got their information, and it was produced. An article that you can look up things on the Internet. You'll find these all the time, and you can trust everything on the Internet. Anyway, uh, it showed Splenda packages and stevia packages, and in the back there were the pink and the blue packages, you know. Uh, equal and sweet and low. And equal and sweet and low contain aspartame. That's very bad for you. That's in most of your diet sodas, by the way. And it, this article had this big array of Splenda and Stevie on the front, and barely you could see the pink and blue in the back. And the whole article was about how substitute, uh, sugar substitutes are very bad for you because aspartame is very bad for you. It didn't mention anything about what's in Splenda or Stevia because neither have aspartame. But the people who read it think, oh, Stevia and Splenda are bad for you too because they show pictures. There's nothing in the article that said anything negative. And there are some negatives about Splenda. But for the most part, <clears throat> those are safer than sugars or sugar substitutes. There are plenty of neighbors, friends, coworkers, and family members that'll tell you when you start using Splenda and Stevia, that that'll kill you, that's killed a lot of mice. They're confused. They're talking about aspartame, which is in the pink and the blue packets, not the green and the yellow packets. I hope that helps. Okay, let's do the math, just so you can understand this. A 50-year-old, I just made this person up, a 50-year-old, 5'2", moderately active female. So that might be someone who says, okay, well, you know, I, I have to walk a good distance, when I go to the store or go to the kid's school. So moderately active doesn't mean that they're going to the gym. They're just moderately active. They do some walking. <clears throat> so a 50-year-old, 5'2", moderately active female, weighing 150 pounds, consumes 180 calories per day. How do I know that? Well, that's an average, but it's going to be close. If you key into your computer while you're on the Internet, calorie calculator and go to the Mayo Clinic, and I assume you trust the Mayo Clinic, go to theirs, and you key in your information, you'll come up with yours. So this particular female, if she wants to know how much on average she consumes a day, it's this much. And you'll find it is pretty close to spot on each time you do this. Now, <clears throat> if she sets her ideal weight goal to 130, now, how did I pick that number? Because I looked up, you can look it up, find the ideal weight of, of a female who's five foot two. And on the, many of the charts, it says 116 pounds. But let's say she does like most of us. Oh my goodness, 116 pounds. I, I, I'm, I'm big boned 
and I have genetics in my family that don't allow that. I, I'm going to go, I'm not going to go that 116. I'll go to 130. That's how most of us will do it, so let's be realistic. 130. So she's not going to aim for 116. She's going to aim for 130, which is 20 pounds less than she currently weighs. That means she needs to create a 70,000 calorie deficit. You get that by a pound is 3,500. She needs to lose 20, so you multiply them she's got to create a 70,000 calorie deficit. Now look how this works. If she wants to lose this weight in 300 days, that's 10 months, that's realistic, <clears throat> without adding any exercise to her daily regimen or weekly regimen, she's just going to modify her consumption of calories. All she has to do has created a deficit of 234. How do you figure that? 70,000 calories divided by 300 days equals 233.333 indefinitely. So I round it up. 234. Do you remember that analogy I gave you before with the coffee at Starbucks? If she changes her habits, if she drinks daily a, a caramel macchiato from Starbucks, 16 ounce, that's 250 calories. And she changes to an Americano with Splenda, that's zero calories. If she does that every day, she will lose this weight before the 10 months without even exercising. 1 Timothy 4, 7. I've just told you a whole bunch of ways you can, or the basic rules of controlling your body weight and losing weight. But I'll give you 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, and the emphasis is in verse 8. Bodily training is of some value, and so far all I've been talking about is not doing any exercise. I want to give you some tidbits of physical fitness advice. I have three slides of scripture I'm going to give you after this, and there's no other slides. So I'm not going to talk a lot about physical fitness exercise, just this one slide. <clears throat> First of all, Understand hypertrophy, that's micro tears. That means if you start working out, like if you're lifting weights, you can expect your muscles are gonna have hypertrophy, that's micro tears. They will be sore the day after and probably worse the next day. That's normal, that's okay. It's okay for you to go through some suffering to get stronger. Isn't that the way life works for the Christian anyway? You go through difficult times and you get stronger. Well, hypertrophy is a good thing. You're supposed to get sore the next day or even worse the next day, but you are not supposed to get sore in the middle of your workout. If that happens, you are injured and you must stop until you can recover. And then once you're fully recovered, you start back up. Second thing, <clears throat> this is some of that stuff you might want to write down. Know when and how much protein and fiber to consume. The FDA says about 25% of the body weight in protein in grams. I explained that already. And the water, or I'm sorry, the weight trainers want you to have two to four times that. And one gram of fiber for every 10 grams of protein or one gram of fiber for every 100 calories. And you might be saying, I don't worry about fiber. I am very good going to the bathroom. Okay, it's, fiber is not all about that. Fiber is a very key nutrient to move, new, move things through your bloodstream. If you don't have enough fiber, you are hurting your own health. So you've got to have enough fiber. And there's how you figure out how much. And if you are exercising, like weight training, 
especially weight training, you must consume both within 30 minutes of your workout. If you get so queasy, you're so sick you can't eat for a couple hours after your workout, you're not gonna benefit as much as you could if you got that protein and fiber in you right after. And then you wanna to train to shock the body for muscle growth. Your calories, you wanna fluctuate it on purpose so it stays shocked. You wanna also uh, take the right amount of protein. I remember going to a Mariners game with a, a guy that used to come here, he moved away. But I worked out with him, and he could never gain weight. But I finally got to see his eating habits firsthand at the Mariners game, which, by the way, that day, we beat the Yankees, so it was a very good day. But while we're there, I order a hot dog, a foot-long hot dog with everything on it, chili cheese and everything, and I get some nachos with everything all over it, and I think I even got some popcorn. And I'm consuming away, and I ate it all. Meanwhile, he had ordered a foot-long hot dog with nothing on it, he ate half of it and began to put the other half away. And that is when I began to explain to him, see, this is why you don't gain, because you don't eat. <clears throat> then he started eating more, and he had to force it, shocking his body, and he began to gain muscle mass. I would also recommend journaling, and I have that. If you are interested in that, I can get you a copy. I can email it or post it online. I used to be a weight trainer and um, personal trainer, so I've got all that if you need it. Also, you wanna change your workouts. Every fifth time you do a particular workout, change it so you can shock your body into the good pain. And then the last thing, you're gonna love this, not all advice is good. So you need to check it out for yourself. Here are the scriptures I told you I would give you. First Corinthians chapter nine, verses 26 and 27. Listen carefully to this, this is really cool. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. That's powerful. And in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, I want you to notice, this, these are the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Notice that one, self-control. That's what we've been talking about. And then the last one I'll give you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. If you need to make a decision, the opportunity is before you. Maybe you've got some physical health goals. Maybe you've got some weight loss goals. Maybe there is something that you're going through that this didn't hit it. I mean, if the preacher is going to talk about physical fitness, that's a pretty narrow subject. And it's very likely that there could be people here who needed something else other than physical fitness, but there's something sweet about the fellowship that happens when you gather with other Christians and you worship with them. There's something to be said about how God draws people together and pulls them closer to them. And I hope that he's done that with you this morning. If you need to make a decision, you can come forward or talk to God right where you are. Let's all stand and sing.